Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to get all the way this morning through verse 2. You know 2 Timothy 2.2 is a big deal because we got it on the wall right there. So we got to take a little time and we got to look at this. We need to pray. Are you guys ready to get to work? Yes. That just sounds terrible. I mean, it just sounds like it, you had all week off to rest up and, and uh, contemplate everything that God did at Focus. It's time to get to work. And so tell your neighbor to wake up, grab an outline, get a set of notes, get a pencil. Let's, uh, let's labor in the word. Once you get your neighbor awake, pray with them. Okay, everybody, let's get a prayer partner. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Pray for each other, pray for me, and then I'll pray for you. Let's, let's get to work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have in your word. And Lord, help us to be good stewards of it. We want to effectively labor in your word. And so, guys, God, we just ask that you'd give us... Uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive and believe uh, your truth and our mission. God, I'm praying that, that you'll stir up some faithful men and women that God so help them by your grace, they'll turn the world upside down for your glory. Lord, I pray for the lost. If there's any here today that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to see this morning that they do not exist just to live their life to fulfill their own will, their own whims and, and desires. We exist, all of us exist to serve you, to serve you as King of kings and Lord of lords. What an honor, what a privilege it is. And, and so Lord, I'm praying for those that believe not that today you'd open their eyes, you'd remove the lies and, and that Lord, ultimately they would believe on Christ is Lord and Savior. Uh, you're God, we're not. So we just trust you to have your way in the lives of us, your people. All in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in this second letter from Paul to Timothy, in chapter one, we already saw five major directives. We saw the first one in verse six. Timothy was to stir up the gift of God. That was talking about his ministerial gifting. And then in verse eight, he was to not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And then the third directive is there in verse eight as well. He is to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. He's to take up his cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse four, he's to hold fast the form of sound words. We looked at the importance of correct doctrine. And then the last directive, to keep the thing which was committed, the good thing which was committed by the Holy Ghost. And we saw that we too are to guard and to protect what God has given us, that we're to steward it, we're to be giving out the gospel that's been committed to us. And then last time we saw that we're to be strong here in chapter two, verse one, we're to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Well, because the task of ministry is so great, it's so far beyond our ability to fulfill it, we have to be strong in the grace of God. The roles that we have to take on and reaching out to the world, all of that requires strength. And so we have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, it's not an easy thing to be enlisted in the Lord's service. If you're gonna truly serve the Lord, you're gonna to have to be strong in his grace. Why, because check out who you are in the flesh. How weak are we? We have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We've got a job to do, and this morning, we're gonna look at the first of the functions, the first of the positions that we have as believers 
in Christ. And so here we see the key role that we have as believers, 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So really in verse two, I want you to notice first that really we have the responsibility of a steward of God. So let's look at the responsibility of the steward of God. Remember in chapter one, Paul had a job to do in verse 11, 2 Timothy 2, 1, verse 11. He says, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So get this down in your notes. The ministry that God has given us, right? The ministry is not something that we just receive and then keep for ourselves. No, we are stewards of spiritual treasure that God has given us. We have a responsibility to take what, what has been given to us and to effectively pass it on. And in explaining how this job is the responsibility of every believer, God didn't make me a pastor, so I'm gonna check out. Oh, you better watch out. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are the servant of Christ. Second Corinthians four, verse one says, let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. A mystery in your New Testament is not something that you cannot know. It's something that was hidden in the Old Testament in the heart and the mind of God, but it's, it's now it's been revealed in the New Testament. And these truths, these doctrines that have been revealed, you know, there's seven mysteries that you are responsible to manage for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our job to make known what God has made known to us. It's our, it's our job to make sure that the information is passed on properly. So verse two says, moreover, it is required in stewards what? That a man be found faithful. Are you faithful to the Lord? Like in the quietness of your heart, just do a quick assessment. Are you faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ? Look back at 2 Timothy 2 verse two. What's the definition of a faithful man? Who are we to make stewards with us in taking the treasure that God has entrusted to us and making sure it gets passed on correctly? Who should, who should be stewards with us? You know, Proverbs 20, verse six says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? And uh, you check out Ecclesiastes, and I think you can make a case for it's one in a thousand. One in, uh, you know, for every thousand posers, you'll find a faithful man. So look back at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. What's the definition? People say, you know, I know I'm faithful. I'm, I'm such a good person. No, are you faithful? That means you're not divided in your loyalties. People say this all the time. Well, I'm a pretty good Christian. And what they mean by that is I haven't killed anyone or committed adultery this week. No, no, no. So I'm faithful. I attend church sometimes. No, how does God define the faithful in his word? Look at verse two. Who, how do you mark, how do you identify a faithful man? It's right there in verse two. What's a faithful man doing? He's teaching others, right? He's able to teach others also. So get that down in your notes. A faithful man is what? One who will teach others. Jeremiah 23, 28 says, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. 
and he that hath my word, let him speak my word, how? Faithfully. Brothers and sisters, we need faithful men and women. Ladies, you don't get to get out of this. You know how I know? Paul says the exact same thing. He tasks the ladies in the exact same way in Titus chapter two, verses three and four. Uh, Ladies, if you know something, you're supposed to say something. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, why? That they may teach the young women. That's the job of every believer, is to te- the elders should teach the younger. We need faithful men and women that have holy behavior, that are teachers of good things. And so again, Paul says to Timothy, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now right there, you've got incredible key to discipleship, don't you? I mean, Paul, count, the, count, it up, count them up with me. There's the generations of faithful stewards. So you've got Paul discipling Timothy, right? And then Timothy is to disciple faithful men, and then what are they gonna do? They're gonna teach others. What do we got right there? There's four generations of faithful discipleship. Four generations of faithful believers. Uh, I said at the end of last year, um, we ought to have a goal of winning and beginning the training of 300 disciples this next year. Why? Well, because it's, re- it's actually reasonable. I mean, we are a large church, and we've never done that. We've never won 300 people to Christ in a calendar year. And I guess, you know, I mean, we'd be ganged up almost three to one if we just won 300 people to Christ and began discipling them. What are you doing with your time? It's reasonable. What are you doing with your energy? How, are you in, how is your life invested to win souls and make disciples? That's reasonable. If what we're doing with our time, our energy, if what we're doing is not contributing to the winning of souls and the making of disciples, we're wasting our time. You say, oh, I'm not a super good teacher. Well, how are, how are you getting equipped to improve in your ability to communicate the things of God? And then what are you doing to support those that are? If what we're doing isn't falling out to the winning of souls and making of disciples, we're playing at it. Can we trust God to win 300 to Christ? I think we can. I think, what else are we gonna do this year? But we'll have to get to work. But you know what? I don't even care about the 300. I'll just come clean right now. I don't even care, because I'm, I'm not interested in just training, in training just anybody. Anybody can learn the word of God. We've got no limitations on that in this church. We have no qualifications, no requirements that you have to meet to learn the word of God. There's no certification that you have to have to attend this church. And if you come long enough, if you attend long enough, guess what? You're gonna learn your Bible, even if it's only passively. You're gonna, you're gonna learn a lot of good doctrine. But no, I'm trusting the Lord, right? I'm trusting the Lord for more than that. I'm talking about investing in faithful stewards. Faithful men and women who will go and teach others also. Let me give you a great example of how this took place 
in, in a time of great awakening in America. It was in the early 1800s. Students at William College in Massachusetts uh, were led by a man named Samuel Mills. This young man, this student, began to pray for the cause of foreign missions. At this point, all the missions organizations in America were focused on domestic uh, missions and ministry. They weren't looking at the nations. So Samuel Mills asked God to raise up men who would take the gospel abroad. On an, August, on an August afternoon, Mills gathered four other students just to pray, uh, to pray just outside the campus in a grove of trees. They had been reading William Carey's book, An Inquiry into the, Obligation, the Obligations of Christians. This book urged Christians, followers of Christ, to undertake cross-cultural overseas missions. And so they, these five young men, they gathered for prayer just outside of the campus. They're calling on the Lord, they're spending time interceding for the world, and they were discussing Carrie's writings. And suddenly their meeting was interrupted by a thunderstorm, and they took cover under a haystack. Author Latham Perry writes, the brevity of the shower, the strangeness of the place of refuge, and the peculiar, I can't say the word, peculiarity, it's like, why am I getting stuck on that? Cinnamon, 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 peculiarity. Uh, man, Lord help me. Somebody pray for me. Peculiar, peculiarity. Close enough. <laughs> the peculiarity of their topic of prayer and the conference that they had together, all of this took hold of their imaginations and their memories. And as the rain subsided, they got up from the, beside the hay sack where they had been praying under, taking refuge under. And uh, it's a famous moment in history. Samuel Mills turned to his friends and he exhorted them, we can do this if we will. And God answered their prayers. These five young university students, they initiated several of the first cross-cultural foreign mission agencies in North America including, and this one's a mouthful, the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions, the ABCFM uh, for short. They founded the American Bible Society and the United Foreign Mission, uh, Missionary Society. Those organizations played a vital role in sending people to share the gospel across the world. The ABCFM sent over 1,250 missionaries in its first 50 years across Asia establishing many churches, hospitals, schools. It was the hunger of these just five young men, just a few ordinary students, but students for God, to move and work through them. It ignited a global movement. Incredible. So quite frankly, I can know that God will accomplish his will. He doesn't actually need to give us 300 disciples this year in order for us to rock the nations, to impact the planet for Christ's glory. The question on the floor this morning is, I wonder at MBT, are there five faithful men that will say we can do this if we will? Are there just five faithful? God will, I think God will give them to us. I'm trusting him for it. He, he, I think he's already delivering on that. I think some of you, God is stirring your heart to not waste your life, to not throw your life away on the pleasures, the cares of this world. I think there's, I think there's five young people that God's stirring up. Maybe you're an old person, I don't know. God's stirring you up 
to matter for, for the mission. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep praying for God to send us those that will work with us to accomplish his plan from this church. I'm looking for just a few, a few good faithful men and women who will lay their life down teaching others also. All we need are five men and women that will have the attitude of Samuel Mills who are saying, so help me God, by your grace, I'll do it. Just five men or women that will be found faithful, putting God's mission above their life, above everything else. You say, well, man, Sam, how do I be a part of that? Well, just make sure you're part of those five. That's how. Make sure that even if nobody else in this local church will lay down their life to see souls saved and disciples made, see them trained up and sent to reproduce this ministry around the world. If nobody else does it, you're going to. Let's take a sermon break. We need to pray right now. Father, Lord, help us as disciples to be faithful. Look at everything that you've entrusted to us. Lord, you've so richly blessed us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the, thank you for the form of sound words that has been delivered to us. What treasures we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What riches we have in the doctrines, the, the incredible doctrines of your word. They're life-changing. Everything that's wrong with this planet, we have all of the resources, we have all of the answers. God, help us to be faithful. Lord, make us a faithful people that you will use for your pleasure. And God, I'm begging you that you do it in your mercy and your grace. Uh, Lord, would you protect us? Would you bless us? But God, above all, would you wake us, would you wake us to the desperate need of a lost and dying world, to the incredible responsibility that we have. Help us to see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters. He was completely consecrated to us. What else can we do but lay down our lives in service for him? Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to be faithful in Jesus' name, amen. So again, how do you make sure you're one of those five faithful men and women? Well first, this is point number two in your notes, you need to be a faithful steward that hears the word of God. Faithful stewards hear the word. Faithful stewards hear the word of God. Paul said in verse two, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So Timothy was Paul's disciple and he heard Paul preach sound doctrine over and over. As a matter of fact, if you look over in chapter three, verse 10, he tells Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Like you, you, you know who I am, you know what I'm all about. You know what I taught you. Timothy knew what Paul stood for. He knew, he learned everything of value from hearing Paul preach the gospel of grace. So get this down in your notes, this is critical. It's very important that we get our original treasures from the word of God and not from the ideas and philosophies of men. What we're receiving in the word of God, that's what we need to propagate. When we started Midtown Baptist Temple, I didn't come with a new ministry philosophy, a new doctrine, a new Bible, a new agenda. No, it was my responsibility to faithfully propagate what was delivered to me. And so help me God, by his grace, that's what we're trusting the Lord to do. We've learned a few things along the way, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, and this is, we've discovered a few more things that need to be faithfully propagated, but it's not, 
It's not, none of it should originate from man. None of it should originate from good ideas that we have. See, God's not interested in what you think should happen, what you think needs to take place, what you want to, pop, uh, what you want to propagate, right? Your plans, your opinions, they're secondary to what his word says and to his mighty call over your life. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. Paul, again, commands Timothy, continue thou, but continue thou. Stay, stay faithful, stay steadfast. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You see the example of my life, completely consecrated to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Colossians 2, 6 says, as ye, therefore, as, ye, as, ye, as ye have therefore received Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him. Do what you've been discipled to do. Rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught. And then next you abound in that with thanksgiving. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus gives the great commission to the church and what does he tell them? You teach them, what? All things, right? You teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Don't come up, don't bring, don't propagate your own message, your own ideals. Say what I told you to say. You know, when I first came When I first came to the Kansas City Baptist Temple, before I came into the pastorate, uh, Alan approached me in the college and career ministry. It's like maybe, I don't even know if there were 30 people in the class at that time. Uh, definitely no more than 50. It's a small group. And he comes up to me and he says, uh, you know, looks like you're here. Looks like you're, you, you've landed and you're plugged in here and you're not going anywhere. Uh, what are you planning on doing in ministry? And I'm looking at him like, well, what do you mean? And, and what he did is he tried to get me to take discipleship one. He says, we have this uh, curriculum that we want to take everybody through. And uh, it's, a, it's a series of 16 lessons, 16 doctrinal studies that we want to take every new believer through. And I told him, I interrupted him, and I just said, I don't need it. Um, I grew up in Bible club, and I already know all the Bible stories. So help me God, that's what I told him. I already know all the Bible stories. And uh, he just kinda smiles and hangs his head and he walks away. <laughs> like I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was that arrogant and ignorant at the same time. I already know all the Bible stories. <laughs> it's like there's those few moments in life where you wish you could go back <laughs> and get the words back. So a few weeks later, he hits me up a second time to take discipleship one, to start my Bible training. And what he did was he appealed to my arrogance. He said that I needed to go through the lessons so that whenever I was given someone to disciple, someone to train, that I would know how to do it. Since I'm part of this local church, I need to know how to do it the way this local church does it. And so I'd really like you to go through this training so that when you're training others, you'll be in lockstep with us. Well, that did, that appealed to my ego. I mean, immediately in my mind's eye, I saw two or three young men sitting at my feet, 
and maybe I'm holding a pocket-sized New Testament out before them, grasshopper, when you can snatch the pocket-sized New Testament from my hand, then you will be ready to go and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you know? I'm like, okay, so that, yeah, you know, of course I'm gonna teach others. And so I signed up after the second lesson. I barely made it home and I go up to my room and I just fall down on my face before the Lord and I cried out for mercy and forgiveness. What an idiot I was. I saw it for the first time. I need to know what the Word of God is teaching because I have an incredible responsibility to propagate it. It was a very humbling experience for me to realize how much I didn't know. But then I started devouring my word. I started, I started growing as a disciple in Christ and then I got excited because I wanted to teach others also because this stuff is so awesome. The word of God is so great. The doctrines, the teaching of God's word, it changes, it's changed my life. And so now I wanna help other people to receive what God has given me. Maybe you're newer to our church and maybe you do know your Bible. Maybe you know all the Bible stories. Maybe you do. Uh, but you're new to our church, let me appeal to your ego. Get rid of your ego. <laughs> Do let us put you with someone who can show you how we teach, how we train and make disciples. How we do it in this local church structure. Decide to hook up with us in ministry. Be a part. We've got a job to do and frankly we need you. Learn the word of God so you can teach the word of God. Faithful stewards learn the word of God, they hear it. Number three, faithful stewards commit the word of God to other faithful stewards. Did you get that? If you're faithful, you're gonna be taking what God has entrusted into your life, to you, and you're gonna give it to others also. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The word commit means to entrust, right? And I'm being cheeky, <laughs> I-N. It means to entrust, like you're making as a, a deposit, right? To entrust as in a deposit. It means to entrust something of value. And that's a, that's a critical responsibility. What you are given in God's word, the doctrines, the things, that have been committed to you. These things are precious, these things are treasure. And as a steward, you have a responsibility to pass them on to other people who will do the same. Second Corinthians four, verses five and seven, describes this process. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, there it is, we have received treasure to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ radically, gloriously transformed your life? Let me rephrase it as not a, a it's not a rhetorical question. Are you saved? Have you heard the gospel? Have you believed on it? Okay, I'm getting a few heads nodding. Some of you need Jesus. Come forward after the service and we'll, we'll introduce you. The doctrine, 
what the Bible teaches, hasn't that radically transformed your life? It's incredible. It's treasure. The, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Man, it's treasure. So that's what verse seven says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. At some point, you need to be broken and let that treasure pour forth from your life into the lives of others. Timothy not only has to keep the deposit for himself, but he's gotta transmit it to others who in turn will fulfill the same function. You know, the knowledge that we have, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our knowledge of it, it's not based on oral tradition, right? The chain of succession from then until now, if it was based on oral tradition, it would have too many faults. No, we have this deposit, we have this treasure in God's written word, and it's shining forth in our light, in our, in our lives. So Paul tells Timothy, take what has been entrusted to you. Take the word that's been given to you and commit it to those who are faithful because that's how ministry multiplies. That's how we'll take this planet for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you may never be a Billy Graham or a Billy Sunday or a Billy the Kid. I hope you're not the last one. You may never be an Andrew Ong or a Mike Renault or a Brian Clark. But if you will, in your life, just reach out to one other faithful person and teach them the word of God teaching them to teach others also, if that's all you ever do, you will be a discipler of good, godly men and women. And when you enter into eternity and you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, your reward will be immeasurable. Because here's this whole other person that's confessing Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he gave his life to making sure other people knew who Jesus was. And God used you to change their life, to set the course of their life. What's he gonna say to you? You suck? No, well done, my good and faithful servant. Your reward will be immeasurable. You may be wondering today from hearing this message, am I a faithful person? Well, I've got a question for you that I think will answer that. Are you committing God's word to others? Are you teaching what you know, what God has entrusted to you, are you investing those treasures in the lives of other people? Because if not, brother, sister, you're wasting your life. Well, God never called me to the pastorate. I'm not talking about that. God didn't call me to missions. I'm not talking to them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your average Joe, run-of-the-mill Christian in a church of Jesus Christ. You exist to take the treasure of this book and make sure that somebody else knows it, they understand it, they know how to apply it to their life. You're like, well, I don't know much. Well, then you need to be discipled so you can do it. You need to be trained. Who are you training? Who are you committing God's word to? Are you teaching God's word to others? If it's no one, if it's no one, you say, well, I want to, it just hasn't happened yet. Okay, okay, start, start, start at first base, right? Who are you committing the gospel of Jesus Christ to? Who are you sharing the good news with? I mean, you're giving them the gospel that God might make them a disciple for you to teach them God's word. Man, they get born again, they need to know Jesus. And if the answer is I'm not sharing the gospel with anyone or I'm not working to share the gospel with anyone, I'm not praying for the lost, I'm not building relationships with the lost, 
Well then, you may be a really nice Christian person, a Christian man or woman, and you may not ever cuss or lie or steal or cheat, but I'm sorry to have to tell you this, you're not faithful. You are not a faithful man or woman before the Lord. You're not trusting God to work in you the job he desires you to fulfill with your life. One of the key passages that our church stands on in describing our motto for members is this. We have a motto here at MBT. Every member uh, a minister. Thank you for coming through. It would have been embarrassing (laughs) if nobody knew that. Every member a minister. Why? That's what God made you to be. You're like, I'm not super smart. Man, just the fundamentals of the faith. You don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to be a genius. Okay, these are things that a child can understand. The problem is a lot of, a lot of God's people, they come to Christ, but then they never learn Christ. And they go through life ignorant, you know? We have a responsibility, Whatever, whether it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's been entrusted to us, then we've got a responsibility to propagate that. If it's good doctrine, we have to propagate that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Every member a minister, verse 17. Therefore, if who be in Christ? Anyone, any man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any believer then is who we're talking about. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The trajectory of your life before Christ, that's not to be the trajectory of your life now. All of that's gone. Now, it's only Jesus. Hello, somebody. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. He's the only thing that matters. Behold, all things are become new. And watch this now, verse 18. And all things are of God, Everything that's happening in your life right now, God wants to use them. What he's doing is he's working them all together for your good to inexorably conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us, right? Hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There it is. Believer. Who are we talking about? Who's the us? Who's the we? If any man be in Christ, any believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Diagram the sentence. It's you, bro. It's you, sis. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And here's what it looks like. Jesus modeled it in verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So you don't have to, I mean, the, the lost world is lost in sin. They're already in condemnation. You don't have to heap, condemn, you don't have to heap condemn, condemnation on lost people. They already have it. What your job is, it's to give them good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. To see them reconciled to God. And then he gives the message in verse 21. For he hath made him... God made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So if you're saved, God has left you here to fulfill one function, and that's to show mankind the way to God. That's what you exist for, to see mankind reconciled back to God. The church is failing in this mission, by the way. 
The world is consistently trending toward going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it? Oh, that, there'd be a, that there would be faithful exceptions to how the church is trending in these last days. That there would be faithful men and women who, like Samuel Mills, would say, so help me God by your grace, I can do this if I will. I will, I'm going to. I'm not gonna waste my life. If I'm not trained, I'm gonna get trained. If I'm trained, I'm gonna start helping to train others. You say, how do I start? Where do I start? How do I make sure that I'm a faithful man or woman of God? Well, first of all, have you put yourself in a position that Timothy was to Paul? In other words, who has been committing the word of God to you? Who's been committing the word of God to you? Are you a disciple? If not, sign up for COD, the cost of discipleship class. Uh, in churches, they always develop all these acronyms and then they spit out all these acronyms and nobody knows what the cost of discipleship. We're gonna take you to Luke 14 and we're gonna force you to take a good hard look at it, what it means, what it's gonna cost you to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, you're gonna have to lay your life down in his service. Until you're ready to do that, well then you're not ready to be a disciple. Then number two, start listing some prospects. Make an Andrew list. Make a list of the lost people that God's placed in your life and start praying for their salvation. That they might become born again and then disciples of Jesus Christ. Grab that little yellow book. We still got yellow books at the counter, right? Do we? Yes? Okay, we got a lot still, right? If you did not get the little yellow book, Effectively Praying for the Lost, get that book and get to work. So you make a list of the lost that God has placed in your life, you start praying for them, and then you just build a genuine, actual friendship relationship with them. I mean, for, don't, don't treat people like a mark or a target. I mean, you are aiming for their soul, but their soul has worth, doesn't it? They're, I mean, this is another human being that Christ died to see redeemed. They actually matter to God, and so they ought to matter to you. Genuinely be a friend. Build an actual relationship, and trust God to open an actual door for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then just simply tell them good news. Give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray over them. Trust God to give you the opportunities to commit those around you to commit to them the treasure of God's word. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how else to say it, but life is short. You've only got a little bit of time. You've only got just a few moments in time to matter. And I'm just begging you, don't waste your life by being unfaithful to the God that bought you through his blood. Decide, I'm gonna be a part of the Great Commission. I'm gonna be a part of the people that God's using to rock the nations for his glory. I'm not gonna waste my life. And if you need help getting on track, please get what this here after our service. Okay, as you will notice, normally we have two pages of notes, front and back. This morning we have one page of notes. Why? Because the new year was really hard for me? No, I've been working all week, okay? Praise the Lord. I want us to take a little bit of time. We got plenty of time here for us to actually acknowledge where we're actually at before the Lord. Some of you, frankly, you've got a list of excuses longer than your arm for why 
you're not a faithful man or woman before the Lord. You've got all these reasons. Well, my spouse is a total jerk and my life is miserable. How could I ever, oh my goodness. At what point are you gonna get full of faith and decide that Christ is worthy, that he's worth your obedience, he's worthy, he's worth your submission? At what point will you decide? You know, the best thing for your spouse is for you to get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sold out for Jesus. That, 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 that's the thing that God will use in the life of your spouse. I got financial troubles, I got, I got problems with my neighbor, I got problems at work, I got, I got, I got problems. You may have 99 problems, but Jesus and his call over your life, that's not, that's not one of them, okay? You have a decision to make, and so I'm asking, like, reflect right now. Are you in, are you part of the mission? If not, why not? And I just wanna to submit to you, the devil, between the world, the lost world, the devil and our flesh, we're really good at making excuses for our rebellion against God, our rebellion against Christ and, his, and, the, and the ministry of reconciliation. Um, for most people, the excuses follow along the lines of I'm not that bright or I'm not that good, I'm not that gifted, I'm not a pastor, I'm not, uh. no, you're, you're exactly who God can use to bring great glory to his name. I'd like us to bow our heads, I'd like us to close our eyes, I'd like us to examine ourselves how many this morning would say, Pastor, first of all, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know that I've got Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you pray for me? I need to be born again. I need, I need to be saved. Is there anyone like that in this service? I don't, yes, okay, I see you in the back. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know that if I died today, I'd be with, I'd be with the Father. Okay. Okay, anybody else? Just a, just a moment here. So Father, you see these hands, and Lord, your word says today is the day of salvation. And so Father, would you bind the enemy and his lies and the excuses and the reasons, the things that we come up with for why we can't surrender our lives to Christ, why we need to hold on and cling to our sin, Lord, help them to see today is the day of salvation. Lord, help them to see Christ is Savior and Lord and that today they would be born again and be saved. How many would say, Pastor, pray for me because I've not been faithful. I need to be a faithful man. I need to be a faithful woman. I need to, I need to be done with the excuses and I need to, I need to get, I gotta get equipped. I gotta get to work. Pray for me. Let me see your hands. Okay, okay. Okay, there's several. Anybody else, please pray for me. I, I need to be done with the excuses and I need to get equipped. I need to sign up for the work. Okay. So Father, Lord, you see all of these hands, people who have been going through the motions as believers but not actually engaged in the ministry of reconciliation and Lord, you've put them in a Bible teaching equipping training church and so Lord we're asking that today would be the day where they put the stake down and they get signed up they actually get accountable to get trained they actually join in with us for some who maybe in the past have been disciple makers but 
They let life happen to them in such a way that they've been derailed. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they get back on track and they jump back into the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, you're worthy. Help us to be done with the excuses, the lame reasoning that we have for just doing what we, I mean, that's the bottom line, just doing what we wanna do instead of doing what you've called us to. Lord, the Lord Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us to live like that today. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.